0: god who is we worship the god who evermore will be he opened the prison doors he parted the raging sea my god Praise. Of love, where my heart becomes free, and my shame is done. Un- my heart becomes free and my shame is up you and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, love. my Redeemer. There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. Strange and divine, I can sing, all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. The night is dark, but I am not forsaken. For by Amazing night will bring me home and day by day I know he will renew me until I stand with joy before the throne
1: Do you guys pray with me father in heaven you are good and we come to you tonight in the name of jesus if we prayed several times already in this room but lord we can't pray enough we can't praise enough so help us tonight to live out the songs that we sang to know that this is the house of the lord that our lives are nothing apart from you help us to know lord that your holy spirit is here you tell us, for two or more are gathered together, you will be in the presence and in the midst, and we believe that. In all that we do tonight, Lord, may it not be in our own power and in our own strength and our own words. Back in the fifth and sixth grade room, and in the, in the junior high chaos area, and in this room, in the high school room, and all throughout this church tonight, Lord, may we praise the one true living God in all that we do, in our words and in our deeds. May we bring you glory, Lord. So help each one of us who are going to speak tonight to carry your message. What you've laid on our hearts, Lord, I pray that you would tweak and perfect every word that we speak for your glory to fit the ears of those that will hear tonight. Because, Lord, we can't do this in our own strength. And we don't want to. We can't and we don't want to do it without you. So help us to hear from you tonight, each and every one of us, because that's what we need. We love you, Lord, with all of our hearts. Grateful for the band tonight that led us in song as we lifted up our voices. Now, may our, may our actions. Follow our words that we just lifted up. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys, you are dismissed. Have a seat, everyone. Okay, Welcome to Inside Out. It's nice to see you guys. Let's get rolling right away tonight. I want to get into this. We're starting a new series tonight. And the title of our new series, I titled it 10. We're going to step off into something I have never done in all the years, 20, what, 22 years of youth ministry I've worked in. I have never worked through a message on the Ten Commandments before. So we're gonna do that this next little bit. Okay, so we're gonna go off of this series is titled 10. I'll be very honest with you, I don't know how many weeks this is gonna last, but I'm so stoked because I've read so much and studied so much that I won't even get to share with you guys tonight that God's laid on my heart, but hopefully he'll help me to remember Because as always, I feel very inadequate to carry this story because it's so powerful and there is so much in it when you look at the Ten Commandments. But here's what I want to do tonight. We have a table challenge. You ready? The leaders already know about this, but there's no cheating. There's a reason you don't have any bulletins yet because the scripture's in the bulletin and I want every one of you at your tables as a team, I want to see who knows the Ten Commandments in order without cheating or looking at your Bibles at all table leaders you guys know the rule your routine write them down I'll give you guys a couple of minutes and we'll come back up and see who got them right okay yes okay I'm not giving you all night you got one more one minute to write them all down one minute I want them in order and I want you to do them in the next minute okay all right so that's long enough I gave you guys two minutes. I didn't give you just a minute, I gave you two. Did anybody get them all right and in order? You guys can open up your bulletins, you can look at the scripture to see how close you came to getting them right, okay? Go ahead and open up your bulletin, have a look real quick. Okay, if you guys are ready, here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to read, I'm going to read the scripture tonight, the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 21, I'm going to read it real quick, okay? So here we go, and then I'll get into the meat of it. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves an image in the form of anything in heaven, above or nor on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them, Or worship them and we'll break all this down a little bit for i am the lord your god am a jealous god punishing the children from the sins of their parents to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments you shall not misuse the name of the lord your god for the lords for the lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name Remember the, Sabbath, keeping, keep, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the sa- Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your sons or daughters, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigner re, uh, residing in your towns. For six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but, on the, on the, but he rested on the seventh. And just a side note, I believe it was six literal days. I think that's what the Bible teaches, and I'm gonna give you guys just a quick heads up on that. When you look up the word for, y- for day in the Old Testament in the Hebrew, that day is called Yom in the Hebrew. Yom Kippur, the day, it's a day. So I believe it's six days, on seven he rested. <clears throat> Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother, so that you may live long in the land and the Lord, the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your, your neighbor's wife or his maid, maid, or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When the people saw the thunder and the lightning and heard the trumpet and they saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled in fear." And they stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen. But do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that you will fear God, so that the fear of God will keep you from from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Okay, so here's what I want to do. I wanted to get the scripture read. We're going to be covering that tonight. Tonight we're just going to be covering the first commandment. But before we get into this, I don't wanna leave this set because if we look at the 10 Commandments, as amazing as they are and the things that we'll talk about tonight, I wanna give you guys a little bit of preparation, a little bit of context to what's going on here. If you look at Exodus chapter 19, which I'll give you guys some, some idea of what's going on here. Okay, so in Exodus chapter 19, God is basically setting this up. This is at Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is a huge part of scripture all the way throughout scripture. This is where Moses had the burning bush experience, was at Mount Sinai. This is where Elijah, when he ran from Jezebel, he ran to Mount Sinai, which is also called Mount Horeb, where he met the Lord there, and the Lord spoke to Elijah while he was there. So there's a lot going on at Mount Sinai. But about three months, about three months after God rescued the the Israelites from Egypt, everybody knows that story. He came in, the plagues that he laid on the Egyptians where they, they, They've already crossed the Red Sea where all the Egyptian soldiers were, were drowned, where the Israelites crossed over the Red Sea on dry ground. All this has already taken place. So about three months later, they show up in the desert of Sinai, it says. And after that, after they had, they had set out after Remedin, okay, in the desert of Sinai. Then Moses went up to the God. I'm reading out of chapter 19 of Exodus. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said... This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob and to those who are the people of Israel. So here's what he's saying to them. He's he's preparing them to hear from him in regards to the Ten Commandments. I never caught this in scripture, but the Ten Commandments were not written originally. They were spoken, and we'll talk about that in just a second. So he tells them, I'm going to make a covenant with you guys. And in verse 5 of chapter 19, it says, "Now get." I love this, get the language here. Now if... You guys are always hearing me talk about the big letters, the big theological word if in scripture, right? He says, now if you obey me fully, God's talking to Moses and he's going to carry this message to the people. He says, now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. There's, there's, listen, there's a covenant. This is the first place where the word covenant really shows up right here in chapter 19. And there's conditional covenants and there's unconditional covenants. The unconditional covenant in this story is, way back in Genesis when he promised Abraham, God did, that he would give him the promised land and all of your descendants, so Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, back in those days, God unconditionally promised him that he would give him the land. The promised land is yours, that's my gift to you. Now we see a covenant that is conditional, and it says, if you keep my commands, then you will be my treasured people. So in this, you see an unconditional covenant back in Genesis. God promises to give them the land, period. In Exodus chapter 19, you see where God makes a conditional covenant that if you follow my commands, this is what I will do. These are all the words you are to tell the Israelites. So Moses comes down off the mountain after meeting with God up on top of Mount Sinai, comes down the mountain, and he tells the people what God said. (laughs) I love the people here. In chapter 19, verse 8, we will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought the answer back to God. Does that sound like the Israelites you know from Scripture? We will do everything the Lord has said. Listen to me. When we go on mission trips and we have mountaintop experiences, that's exactly what we're going to do, isn't it? Don't raise your hand, but how many people in this room have wanted to charge hell with a water pistol when they get back off of a mountaintop experience, like a mission trip or a camp? You're like, I'm so in. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to do everything he tells me to do. It's going to be amazing. And like the Israelites, about a week later, we fall off the rails and we're like, God who? The Israelites are no different than we are, right? This is how this works. So he said, we will tell them all the things. We will do everything that the Lord says to do. So Moses goes back up the mountain, comes back down the mountain, and he tells him what God says also. God told him, he said, he's speaking with Moses. He said, consecrate the people, have them wash their clothes, and, and put limits around Sinai. Now, consecration means this. You're just setting something aside and making it holy. When he talks about washing your clothes, that's something they didn't do much. But it's an intentional act of setting myself apart and consecrating myself for what the Lord's I'm about to experience in the Lord. He also told them later on in chapter 19, don't have sexual relations with each other. Consecrate that. Leave that over to the side. Set yourself aside intentionally because you're going to be meeting with the Lord one of these times real soon, okay? So that's all what he says here. He says he also, the Old Testament is misunderstood. Listen to me very closely, okay? Okay because I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. In here, chapter 19, God makes it very clear. He tells Moses, he said, go back down off the mountain. Moses is on top of Mount Sinai, talking with God. He says, come back down off the mountain now and tell the people, put limits around the mountain, he says, don't let them touch the mountain. Don't let them set a foot on the mountain because if they do, they will either be stoned or shot with arrows and you should not lay a hand on them because they're dirty. So what God is doing, a lot of people misunderstand this about God. They're thinking, well, that's kind of nasty that God would say he's gonna kill someone if they, if they do what he says not to do, right? But here's the deal. If you get God's heart, God, you guys, is God. He's holy and set apart. I'm going to talk about that in just a second longer. But when you see God saying, put limits around the mountain, don't let them lay a foot on the mountain, otherwise I will kill them and have them stoned or shot with arrows. And if someone does touch the mountain, even an animal, don't touch that person and don't touch that animal because they are, they are uh, unclean because God is God. And what God's doing here and he's saying, I love you. Here's how you come into my presence. Remember in John chapter 14 when Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me? And he says in John chapter 10, he talks about being a good shepherd. Anybody who comes over the wall is a thief. There's a way to approach God. And the reason why God tells me there's a way to approach him is because he loves me. And he wants me to approach him. But I have to be willing to approach him in the manner in which he says. But you've got to realize, you guys, if you capture God's heart, all of this is because he loves me. He loves you, that's why he's God, you guys, and we're gonna stand before him someday, I believe on our face probably, but he's God, but because of his love, he tells me how to approach him. No different than because of his love, he sent his son to die on a cross for me, which we'll talk about in a little bit. It says, on the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain, and the very loud trumpet blast, and everyone in the camp trembled. Oh my gosh, I would love to be in this moment. We sang tonight, we wanted to feel God's presence, we want to sense his presence, right? Well, the Israelites got to sense God's presence. There was cloud on top of Mount Sinai, there was flames shooting, flames and smoke shooting up, it says, like it was a furnace, and God descended down on top of that mountain. Can you imagine the one true living God, the one who created everything, the one that says, as scripture says, if you lay an eye on him, you will die Here's all these Israelites, the whole tribe of Israelite that was rescued out of Egypt, all sitting around the bottom of this mountain. And all of a sudden they look up and there's fire and there's smoke and there's bellowing and there's wind and earthquakes and trumpets blasting. Who was blasting the trumpets? Angels. Just put yourself there for a second. I can't even imagine how frightening this had to be. This is a God who rescued them. This is the same God they saw do all of the the plagues in Egypt to get them out of there. And they're standing down there at the foot of the mountain, and it says that all that was going on. And it goes on to say there was smoke billowing up from the, uh, just like a furnace. And the whole mountain trembled Violently. I can't even imagine what that had to be like that day. And the fear that they had to have. And it says, then the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Every sense they had, the smell of the smoke, the visual that they had, the noise they had in their ears, the senses of feeling the ground shaking violently underneath you. And they're standing here and they're watching this whole thing. And that's why it goes on to say, which I'll talk about a little bit, how they feared him later on. So this is the picture of what is going on As we get into the scripture, we're gonna look at briefly tonight. That's the whole thing when you look at the 10 Commandments. And all this is done, I believe this, the 10 Commandments carry a lot of of weight in scripture. The 10 Commandments basically take Judaism and Christianity and give us a foundation. I wanna make sure I'm clear on this. The 10 Commandments don't save you. The 10 Commandments actually reveal to you that you can't keep them. And what they do, they're kind of, the, Paul says in Galatians, he calls it a schoolmaster. Paul says, this is my schoolmaster that leads me to know I need a savior. So the 10 Commandments don't save us, but it's the foundational aspect of everything in Judaism and Christianity. It's the foundation for most of our laws in our country come from the 10 Commandments. Here's one for you. I had this thought earlier today, and I had a fit and fell in it, and Tanner got to hear it for just a minute. We're a pathetic lot for people we are a pathetic lot and the garden of Eden how many commandments did they have what did they get told don't eat one commandment don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil one commandment is all they had they blew that got kicked out of the garden in captivity for 430 years as slaves then they get 10 commandments they didn't keep the 10 commandments for a month and then we go on, and because of that, between the 10 commandments and Jesus' time, the Pharisees put together three, or 613 commandments we're supposed to follow. I don't know if they figured there was just more. We might have a chance of hitting more of a higher percentage. I don't know. One to 10 to 613. Then what Jesus do in the New Testament. He takes these, you guys, the first four, the theologians call this our God The first four that we talk about are a Godward look. It's a vertical look at a relationship. Love that you should have no other gods before me. No idols. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. And you should you you honor the Sabbath. The first four are a Godward look. The last six are a horizontal look, more of a manward look, if you will. But you think about this. So Jesus takes. He's trying to be trapped by the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the keepers of the law. They said, "What's the greatest commandment?" Jesus. What's the greatest commandment? Deuteronomy 6 is where it's found at. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, but Jesus says there's two commandments. Think about this, one to 10 to 613, and Jesus takes all that mess and says there's two. You guys know them. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. How are you doing with those? We're a pathetic lot, aren't we? But see, now, unlike then, we have God's grace Moses brought the law, Jesus brings grace and truth. So when you look at this, as you look at the whole picture of the, of the, the Ten Commandments, understand it's a mirror, it reveals, it's a road sign to look at. But when you look in a mirror, you can see you're dirty, but the mirror can't clean you. The mirror, though, provides the idea that I need something outside of that, and that's where Jesus Christ in grace and truth comes in. As we go through the Ten Commandments, we'll be talking about that. So when you look at all this, here's what God does. The first thing God does, and the first point that I got tonight that I'll go through briefly, and I'm going to give you guys your groups tonight, I really believe this with all my heart. This is all about relationships. This is all about, re- yes, these are commandments, and yes, there's rules to follow, but Why? Because God wants to have a relationship with his people back in those days and because God sent his son, he wants to have a relationship with us today. Everything we look at, you guys, you you don't, there's a view, and we talk about this a lot, we don't have to do it, we get to do it. We get to follow these things. We get to be a part of the kingdom of God. We don't have to do any of this. But if I love God and I want to have a relationship with him, these things are going to help my relationship, not harm my relationship. I'm never going to keep everyone correctly, but that's where God's grace comes in, through Christ. So the first thing you see is it's all about relationship with God and with others. The very first thing you see God doing here, watch. This is what I was talking about earlier. Exodus chapter 20, verse 1. It says, and God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. The very first thing God does before he gets into any of the commandments in regards to relationship with him is what's he do? He reminds them exactly what he just got done doing for them. For 430 years, they were captive by the Egyptians and God rescued them out of that. So he's saying, here's why I rescued you out of the land of slavery. Here's why I want, this is why I earned the right. I deserve the right. I'm God. You follow me now because of what I've done for you. Does that not sound like the New Testament? Then the New Testament, we see the same thing, don't we? We have been bought with a price. Yes? Jesus Christ, because of the blood of Jesus, what's he do? He rescues me out of slavery to sin. It's the same concept, Old Testament, New Testament. The Old Testament is do. Listen closely to this, please. The Old Testament is about do. The New Testament is about done. But I do because of what's been done. Does that make sense? I don't do to earn anything from Christ. I do because of what's been done for me. And it says in, um, where's my verse at? 1 Corinthians talks about that, for we've been bought with a high price, so honor God with your bodies. That's why we should do this, okay? Because God redeemed redeemed the Israelites out of the land of slavery, out of Egypt. Christ redeems us out of slavery to sin because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So he tells them exactly why he's doing what he's doing, but watch this. I never caught this before. The 10 commandments were not written on tablets to begin with. They were spoken by God. That's what was going on when all this earthquake and all this noise and all the trumpet blasts and all these things were going on when that quieted down. Can you imagine, Do you ever wonder what God's voice sounds like? You ever think about what does it actually sound like to be standing at the foot of the mountain all the earthquake, the smoke, the rattling, the violent trembling of the land, and all of a sudden, the trumpets are blowing louder and louder, and there's angels from heaven blowing those trumpets, and all of a sudden, all that quiets down, and then you hear this, and I can't be God, but the first thing you hear is, I'm the Lord your God, I am the Lord your God who rescued you out of Egypt from slavery. What would your heart be? I know. I'd be so captivated and overwhelmed. See, we sing tonight like it's nothing. And I think here's another reason why we should, it's all about relationship and we should keep from sinning. In verse, eight, or in verse um, 20 of chapter 20, it says, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that you will, fe- the fear of God will keep you from sinning. Because of grace and truth, we should never lose the fear of God. But I think as Christian, Christianity goes, we've lost that fear. See, if you really feared God, you wouldn't sin. If you saw God the way they saw God on that mountaintop that day and you trembled in fear and begged Moses, don't let God talk to us anymore. You talk to us, don't let God do it. That would keep me from sinning. But see, we don't fear God anymore. And we, we should fear God, nothing, he's God. Even though we call him Jesus, Jesus is God, that should make a difference in my life. So we should fear the Lord when we look at these kind of things, and that's exactly what kept them from sinning for probably five minutes, because they ended up doing it anyway, but why? Because they were just the Israelites. So when you look at that, the response of God's voice did something else to them, and I want to catch this, I want you guys to catch this tonight, okay, and in... I'm going to read in chapter 20 of Exodus. I'm going to read a couple of verses here, 18 through 21. When the people saw the thunder and the lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but don't have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, just like I got done reading, don't be afraid. God has come to test you that you that you will fear God and keep from sinning and the people remained at a distance while Moses approached God in the thick, thickness and the darkness. See what they did? They heard from God on the mountaintop, and it scared them so bad, and they were so full of fear. They didn't draw near to the Lord so that the Lord would not draw near to them. What they did is they backed up because they knew their hearts. They didn't want to be near the Lord. They didn't want to be by the mountaintops. Does that make sense to you guys? They backed away from him and they let Moses, the priest or the pastor, study and speak to God on their behalf. Don't do that. God's a responsive God. You draw near to him, he will draw near to you, it says in Scripture. So don't be like the Israelites. I want you to have a reverent fear of God. I want you to think when I sin, I'm breaking God's heart. And what he's done for me and I'm about to sin, And why is this all important? Because it's all about a relationship. You will, listen to me, you will, Psalm 103 verse uh, seven says this, I'm paraphrasing. It says Moses knew knew, um, the ways of God and the Israelites knew the acts of God. How many times have I told you guys when you read the Bible, read it so you know who God is? Not what he does. Because the Israelites backed away, they saw the acts of God, but Moses knew his ways. Moses knew who he was. I want you guys to step close to Scripture, read the Bible to find out who God is, not just what he does. And that's the message I want you guys to get out of that tonight because it's a relationship. I want to know the one who saved me and I'm going to get to know him by reading the Scripture. Does that make sense to you guys? So all of this you see is a relationship. The second thing is this, no other gods before me, verse 3 says, the law of Moses is built upon the Ten Commandments and the first commandment, you should have no other gods before me, is built on that same premise, why did God give them this commandment? I'm gonna breeze through this quickly because for 430 years, they spent their time in Egypt. And when they were in Egypt, they molded into their ways and they had all kinds of false gods. We're gonna talk more about that next week. This idea of false gods is what they had. They spent 430 years there. Egypt was a polytheistic culture is what that means. They had multiple false gods. Not one god was alive. They were man-made, hand-carved gods that they would worship, Okay. I'll save that for next week, I'll talk about that. So what they would talk about is that's why God didn't want them to, he had to tell them, I'm your God, no other gods before me. Now that sounds like this. No other gods before me may be interpreted by someone who doesn't understand the Hebrew language. Well, I can have gods after him. As long as he's first, I can have multiple gods that I worship after him. That is not what that word before means. That word before means beside or around or in front of me. In other words, there are no other gods in your life other than him and him alone. That's what he's gonna cross. So when you read that before me, doesn't mean as long as I put him first, I can have other stuff behind him. No. Why should we look at that though? Why should that be important to us? Because he rescued him out of Egypt and Christ rescued us from being slaves to sin. So therefore, he should be my God. Jesus says it this way. If you love me, you're going to have to hate your mother, mother and father and brother and sister. We'll talk about that in a second. But what that means is he's first, he's paramount. But watch this. It says, Blessed is the man who makes, Psalm 40, verse 4 says, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud nor turn aside to false gods. In the days of Israel, watch in your bulletin. In the days of Israel would have had the, in those days, Israel would have had the experience of great temptation to worship the gods of Baal, the god of the storm, clouds, thunder, and lightning, and of Asherah, the, god uh, the goddess of sex, romance, and reproduction. Now watch this. This is God. Don't miss this, please. What'd the mountain look like? Clouds, fire, storm, violent shaking of the earth, Who's he showing is the one true God. Baal never did that. See, they worshiped him for that reason, but he never came to life and did it. On top of Mount Carmel, remember when Elijah was up there? Said, choose this day whom you will serve. Will you serve Baal or will you serve God? Remember that? And they danced around and tried to get Baal to come to life and he never did anything. Why? Because he's a man-made false god, a statue that they worship. So God says, you want to worship Baal? You go ahead, but watch this. And God revealed himself in such a way that all these people that would have been been worshiping Baal, they would have never seen Baal do this, would have looked at the one true living God and said, amen, because you guys, here's the deal. We have false gods today. We just don't call them by the same names. We don't call them by the same names. (laughs) Heard of the Green New Deal? Heard about global warming and watching over the climate? Saw people worshiping trees? It's the same thing. Because if they worship Baal, they're calling on a false God to do things weather wise. We're trying to control the weather as human beings, are we not? Are we not worshiping the same God? We call it a different thing, don't we? We might call it climate control, but are we not doing the same thing? Watched television lately? Been to the movies lately? Watched pornography lately? Sex God's Asherah. We don't call it an Asherah pole anymore, but we're still worshiping sex, romance, and reproduction in our culture today, are we not? Maybe you guys aren't, maybe, but aren't we all? I worship romance because (laughs) I love little Johnny with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. What's the difference, you guys? We're still doing it today, we just don't call it the same thing. If you're doing that, then we adjust course and we don't do it anymore. We are tempted to worship the same things as they were, and the last thing is God first. God first, God demands first place in our lives because it's for our benefit, oh my gosh. In those days, listen to me, in North Korea today, do you realize Kim Jong-un, I think is how you pronounce his name, you worship him or you go to prison? You realize that? When I talk to people, I knew a guy from South Korea, and he knew people in North Korea, and I'm listening to a book right now of a young lady who got taken out of North Korea. Amity told me about that book. If you don't worship the emperor, they will kill you or put you in a camp until you're re-educated. But yet we hear God say, you put me first. I want to be first in your life. Why? Because of what he's done for me. And it's my benefit. I don't get why people fight so much with this idea. In our culture today, Christians fight with this idea of putting God first. I got it at the end of your bulletin. Don't we do that when we're married? Do you think my wife wants me to be, her, her to be first in my life? Should I just go out and have other women in my life and say, Rachel, I love her, but you know, I'm going to go out and do it? No! This idea of first is all over Scripture. Watch. I'm going to show you where it's all over Scripture. If you guys have got your phone or a Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 4, verses 2 and 5. And I'll, then I'm going to quit here just as soon as I'm done reading this and give you your small groups. This, this principle of firsts in the Bible is important. God says, I want the firstborn and I want the first fruits, I want the first tenth of your income. The principle of first is what you see here that God's laying forth to us. Jesus says it with, what's he say in Matthew 6.33? Seek what? First, the kingdom of God. And all these things will be given to you. Seek first, the principle of first is what we're looking at. So if you look at Genesis chapter four, verses two through five, what we're gonna be talking about is Cain and Abel. Have you ever wondered why God didn't accept Cain's sacrifice, but he accepted Abel's? And if you know the story, you know Cain didn't get it, his sacrifice did not get accepted, and his brothers didn't. He ended up killing his brother out of jealousy, right? But here's why. Watch. It says, now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain's offering, he did not accept it or look at favor with it. Why? Because Cain didn't bring the first fruits from the field. He brought some fruits from the field. What Cain or what Abel bring? The first fruit from the flock, or the firstborn from the flock, the principle of first in Scripture is very important that we get our arms around you guys. And that principle is played out in you should have no other gods before me and put me first. So that's the principle of first that you see in the first commandment that we talked about. That's why I titled the message tonight, First Things First. Put Him first. Have no other gods before Him. Don't let sex, romance, money, weather, climate, don't let those be your gods. And you got to ask yourself tonight, what's your God? What do you serve? What do you worship? Where's your, what I worship gets my attention. Does that make sense? Who captivates my attention is where I will spend my time in worship. Go to your small groups, and we'll come back up here and close in just a few minutes. Okay, if I can have you guys' attention back to the front of the room, I want to close with a couple quick thoughts. Um, Here's what I want you guys to know. The importance of what we're going through with the Ten Commandments, I believe, is really critical, you guys, because what it does is it shows me this. How people relate to the Ten Commandments, the first four being a Godward look at things and the last six being a horizontal manward look at things, relational this way, I believe how we view God is how we will treat other people. So as we're going through this, I want us to really capture this idea where Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart because then you'll love your neighbor as yourself. It's not the neighbor first and then God. And I think if we follow the 10 commandments that we've talked about tonight, we will love God with all of our hearts and then we will follow the rest of them out as we go through the rest of the commandments. And the other thing is this, I really believe God alone was to be worshiped then and God alone is to be worshiped now. And I'll give you my example, This we are the bride of Christ. And I think relationally that is the same thing. I love my wife with all my heart, as you guys know, but I don't worship my wife. God gave me my wife. I don't worship her, I worship God and God alone. It was like that then and it is like that now. But the other thing is, is I would say is this, in our worship we have to obey. How do you show that you love God? By obeying him. Watch this, you guys. Please hear me on this, especially you students. How do you show that you love your parents? Do you just tell them? Or are you like God where you demonstrate your love to them? Does that make sense to you guys? These commandments matter, you guys, and it matters on how we we are in our relationships with everyone and how we honor God. So I want to challenge you guys in this thought that how we view God is how we'll look at others. How you view God is how you'll treat your parents. How you view God, view God is how you'll respond at home to your siblings. And I would tell you guys, demonstrate your love to your parents by doing what they ask you to do. Because I know your parents, and they're not gonna be evil, rotten people. But how do you demonstrate that? Because here's what I know, and we'll talk about this later in, in commandment number five. If you don't honor God's authority, you're not gonna honor your parents' authority. And this idea of first fruits or this, this idea of principle of firsts, here's what I would tell you guys. If you have turmoil in the home, I want you to remember this principle of firsts because somebody's gonna have to go first to reconcile. When you have trouble in your home and you have trouble in your marriages down the road, somebody's gonna have to go first to reconcile. Somebody's gonna have to apologize and change course and you be the first ones and you hang on to that principle of firsts. Why? Because it honors God. Make Make sense? So let's pray, okay? Father in heaven, you're good. Grateful, Lord, for the night. And it's just the truth of your scripture. And like we talked about earlier today, Lord, we sang earlier this evening, we sang songs, inviting you into our presence, asking you to be here. But looking back over our shoulder, Lord, at what the Israelites had to feel that day when they had you speak these commandments verbally with your own voice to them, the trembling fear that they had, Lord, of you being God and how enormous that had to be in their presence with the smoke and the fire and billowing like a furnace and the ground shaking and angels from heaven blowing those trumpets that just kept getting louder and louder. May we have a sense of that fear, Lord, because as I said in my notes that I didn't even get into in Proverbs, the, beginning of, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom We need as a society to know that you're God and we're not, but yet you sent your son in the form of a babe in a cradle headed for a cross that we might know you and we see the empty tomb, Lord, we see all these commandments that you give us. Help us to understand that these are all relational. Yes, the rules, yes, they're commandments, Lord, and we get that, but this is all because you love us and you wanna have a relationship with us just like you did your people back then. So tonight, help us to be a group of individuals that mind you in that first command. The first command from you and the first command from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Put him first and have no other gods before you. Help us to be those type of Christians as we get up and go tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys, you are dismissed. Have a great night, everyone.